your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 18. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 18. And Brother Kane men mentioned it earlier uh, this morning when he was doing announcements, but we are missing our pastor and we're missing our assistant pastor this morning because they are at camp. They're taking care of camp for the entire week. Brother Brown is one of our counselors, junior counselors, and pastor is the camp director. So they got there yesterday, make sure that all the dorms and everything were ready for the kids. And we're going to have a great time this week at camp. Amen. If you can make it out to the night services, you will not regret it. They will be at 6.50 p.m. And any information that you would like about the camp meeting, it is in your bulletin. There's an insert there with directions to camp. Um, and we also have some in the mailbox outside in the church. So there will be no service tonight here because we are going to be attending service there at camp in Ashford. Amen. All right, Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 4 and 6. And then we're going to turn to Isaiah chapter 64. Amen. Jeremiah 18, 4 and 6, it says, And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel, has seemed good to the potter to make it. O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord. Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. And turn to Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8. And Isaiah 64, verse 8, and it says, But now, O Lord, thou art our father, we are the clay, and thou art potter, and we all are the work of thy hand. Amen. And the title of my message this morning is, In the Potter's Hands. Let's all bow our heads in prayer this morning. Thank you, Jesus, Lord, for your word that you have for us this morning. We ask, Lord God, that you would touch our hearts that you, Lord Jesus, may do a work in us, Lord, that we may receive what you have in store for us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated at this time. Amen. How many of you, um, when working on something, it turns out slightly not the way you wanted it to turn out? <laughs> many have been the failures of me trying to uh, redo a dress, a hem on a skirt. Or how about... Uh, a paper for school, and I know we're on vacation, and the last thing we want to think about right now is school for our teenagers that are here. But back in the day, you know, um, and I'm not that old, but <laughs> before computers, before technology, before typewriters, <laughs> um, giving out my age here, you had to correct that yourself. There was no autocorrect. There was no one that, that uh, or something that said that word is spelled incorrectly. You had to read that over and over. Um, and if you made a mistake, you couldn't just white it out. I mean, you, does anybody know what white out is? I'm sure most of the older folks here do. White out, but the younger generation are probably looking at me like, what is white out? What are you talking about, Sister Marie? Um, but... Before there was even whiteout, you had to make sure that that paper was written properly by hand. 
And then when typewriters came out then, you know, you use a typewriter and so evolved the computer and here we are, autocorrect. And even now, you know, there have been texts that I've sent to people and they said, Sister Marie, what was that you said to me? <laughs> and I've had to say, oops, that's not what I meant to say. That is the incorrect word, autocorrect did not correct that. It actually changed the word for me. Another time um, when I was a teenager, a friend of mine and I were at my house and we, were, we decided let's make some muffins, you know, we're going to bake some stuff and we followed the recipe to the tea. We pulled the muffins out. They looked amazing, you know, they were just right, um, nice and golden on the outside, just beautiful. The moment we took a bite, said, what happened? What did we do to these muffins? Come to find out, we added way too much baking powder, and we mistook it for what we it was supposed to be the sugar. So we put that teaspoon or tablespoon that we were supposed to put for the baking powder, we did sugar and reversed it and put about whatever, a cup or three-quarters of a cup that we were supposed to for the sugar we did baking powder. We had to chuck those puppies. She's like, we're not feeding this to anybody. And then we had to go and make it again. We had to make a fresh batch because obviously we're not going to feed that to anybody. Maybe my brothers, you know. No, I'm kidding. I wasn't, I wasn't that bad. <laughs> but we had to tweak the recipe and remake it. And, you know, as men and women, uh, we are the work of God's hands. He is constantly working on us to make us what he wants us to be. We are the clay and he is the potter. At some point in our lives, each and every one of us have been marred. We have been disfigured or impaired. Whether by the cares of life, by others that have caused us hurt or simply we did it to ourselves. We all have become marred. Jeremiah 18, 2 through 6, it says, Arise and go down to the potter's field. This is God talking to Jeremiah. And there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he brought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel has seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, and s saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord. Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. And if you look in verse 4, the prophet Jeremiah noticed that the vessel the master was working on had become marred in his hand, in the potter's hand. It didn't become marred in the world. It didn't uh, go out from where God couldn't see it, see what was happening to his life or what it was doing, but it became marred right in the potter's hand. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I can always depend on Jesus, that even when I'm marred, he is there. So some of you are wondering, why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this circumstance? Why can't God change what I'm going through right now? Does he not see? Does he not hear what I'm, what I'm crying out to him, what I'm praying? 
does he not hear my cry? But he does see. I'm here to tell you that he does see. He does know. And he has hurt because you were never out of his hand. Can I get an amen? Amen. You were never out of his hand. Proverbs 16, 9 says, A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. It doesn't matter how far you try to run away. He has a plan for your life. Sometimes we become broken. We become scarred, and we don't know exactly what to do. We try to fix ourselves, um, the situations that we're going through. We try to put those pieces back together ourselves, but our attempts are no good, not good enough because we were never the author or the creator of our lives. And sometimes in the process, we make a bigger mess of ourselves than we were before, even to the point of giving up and not doing anything. Can I tell you today that you don't have to fix it yourself? If we can just trust the Lord, he has a better plan for our lives that we could ever come up with. Amen? He has a better plan for you and I. We may devise our own way, but the Lord directs our steps. Our God, the maker, our potter, he is the one who designed us from the time that we were born. Before we were even conceived, he knew us, and he's holding us in the palm of his hand. Jeremiah 1 and 5 says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. <laughs> Let that sink in for a little bit. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And jumping to Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 4 and verse 7. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Some of you need to hear this this morning. He formed thee. He redeemed thee. He called you by your name. So when you're going through the waters, the, it will be, he will be with thee. And through the rivers, they will not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the, one, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, yea, I have made him. God made you. He formed you before you were even a thought in your mother's mind. He knew you, and he called you by name. You are his. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we worship you today. Hallelujah, Jesus. He loves us so much. 
He's the only one that can take the broken pieces of your life, the damaged areas that you think are not worth anything, and make something beautiful and new out of your marred life. The Japanese have, uh, they make art out of precious scars. And it's called Hintsugi. And if you look at the bowl, if, if brother, there we go, brother Sam can put it up. It's called Hintsugi. And the actual art of it is called Hintsukuri. I'm sorry. I don't speak Japanese. Can you tell? Hintsukuroi. That's what it's called. <laughs> I probably butchered it, but that's okay. <laughs> if you are Japanese and you want to correct me, it's you can go right ahead and do so. Have you ever had somebody just mess up your name <laughs> real bad? <laughs> I apologize. For many years, Pastor has confused, I mean, he's known us, Maria and I, for since I was 10 or 11 years old, and he still calls me Maria, and he calls her Marie, and I'm Marie, she's Maria, but we, we love him. We love him. <laughs> we love you, Pastor. All right, so the Japanese term for this is to repair with gold. If you can look at the bowl, it's got gold in the cracks. The art of repairing pottery with gold or silver lacquer and understanding that the piece is more beautiful for having been broken. So when the Japanese men broken objects, they um, aggrandize the damage by filling the cracks with gold. And they believe that when something suffered damage, um, it adds history. Um, I'm sorry, and it has history. It becomes more, more beautiful. Isn't that something? Instead of just throwing it away, they go and add gold to it to repair it, to make it, make it more beautiful. And it actually adds value to it. Instead of repairing it with something else, they repair it with gold. Guess what? God is not intimidated by our brokenness. He's not intimidated by our brokenness. Instead, he specializes in broken things, and he adds value to our lives when we are in his hands. Just like the Japanese make hintsugi, he applies his blood over our lives in baptism, and he makes us new. Amen. Hallelujah. You can clap your hands unto the Lord. He makes us more valuable in his sight. We have always been valuable to Jesus. We never lose value to Jesus. But he adds more value when we become marred in his hands because he can make us over again. He can make us new. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, it says, As it, is, um, it is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Guess what? The Lord has supplied us with a lifetime guarantee of, of, of mercy. It says it right here in his scripture. For they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that God had compassion on me and that it doesn't fail. They are new every morning. doesn't matter how many mistakes I make. His mercies are new every morning. They don't run out. 
the mercies that he extended to me yesterday, they end, they expire right at midnight, and there's a whole new batch of mercies and compassion for me the fo- that day, that following day. Thank you, Jesus. So I have a guarantee that even at my worst, and my worst mistake, no matter what happens, his mercy and compassion are always there reaching out to me. Um, if we can put up the next picture. Ladies and gentlemen, Bob Ross. <laughs> you know, I came up on uh, the shows. They had them the other day. I think it was on Prime or something. They have all the season. And uh, I put it up, one of them, one of the, the shows up. And the boys are going, my boys are going, Mom, why are you making us watch this? You know, this was something from late 80s, early 90s. And I watched maybe a couple. I never really paid attention to it, but I always thought it was funny how he just, I mean, he was great, great artist. Um, even ever have any uh, problems in life? Let's make them birds. Yeah, they're birds now. You know, he would make a mistake and says, let's just make them birds. Pretty little birds, you know, pretty little trees, pretty little whatever. <laughs> it was always pretty little clouds. Um, but we all make mistakes in life. And God <laughs> takes them and he just makes something new out of it. What we think it's a mess up, he sees an opportunity to create something new out of it. This, it's the imperfections that make something beautiful. That's what makes it different and unique from everything else. It's the imperfections. Amen. Amen. He knew I would mess up and fall. He knew that I would not listen to his counsel or his word, that I would listen to false reports of the enemy instead of, instead of listening to the voice of God. But even through all of that, I'm still his child. And he would, knew, he would know that I would fall, that I would make mistakes. But as long as I remain in his hands, and that's the key word right there, if I just remain in his hands, he can remake me into what he wants me to be. Now, this doesn't, you know, create an excuse for us to do whatever we feel like doing. Oh, I'm going to sin because his mercies are new. That's not what we're talking about here today. What I'm talking about is we're human. We all make mistakes. It's a part of who we are. But as long as we are repentant and we are sorrowful for the things that we've done that are not right, The Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Proverbs 24, 16, it also says, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Even if you fall in, the word of God says that you can get back up. It gives us hope. It gives us hope. It doesn't matter how many times we fall, we can get back up again. It also says in Micah 7, 8, and 9, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light, and I will shall behold his righteousness. Don't rejoice or get happy when I fall. 
because I will get back up again. I will take the responsibility of what I've done, but he's going to make it all better. He's going to plead my cause. He's going to be my righteous judge, and he's going to take up my case, and he will give me justice. Amen? No matter what I've done or has been done to me for me to become broken or become marred, I will rise above it all and let the Lord make a new vessel. King Saul could never find a place of forgiveness because he didn't know how to stay in the hand of the potter. He always wanted to do his own thing, always wanted to offer his own worship and not do what God told him to do. And he never came to a place of forgiveness, a place of repentance, because it was in his own terms that he wanted to do things. But on the other hand, you see David, and he made mistakes. He wasn't perfect, but he became a man after God's own heart because he always remained in the hand of the potter. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Amen. Those were David's words. Another example of grace is Paul. I mean, I'm sorry, not Paul, Peter. Can you relate to him? <laughs> Who cannot relate to Peter? Peter was always, you know, had that open mouth, insert foot syndrome. Always saying something that he shouldn't have said. Well, Lord, let's call down fire from heaven and burn them up. They shouldn't have said that to you. What, who do they think they are? I mean, that sounds like me <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> um, or, you know, when they were at the Mount of Transfiguration and they leave and he says, oh, Jesus, we need to build you a temple and Moses and Elijah so we can worship you up here. He says, what are you talking about, Peter? We're not going to do that. <laughs> um, and, and then the last one. I'm never going to deny you, Jesus. And with all of that, God still gave him mercy. Because that's what he does for us. He shows us mercy and compassion. He failed the Lord. But, you know, the Lord said some things to him before he was crucified. In Luke 22, 31 and 32, Jesus knew that Peter would fail him. And with all of that, he said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he sh may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. There are times when we're not going to have it all together. We are going to be so messed up. We don't know which end is up, down. We are just out of it but guess what god has prayed for you he paid the ultimate price for you and i so when we come to our senses when we see oh what am i doing jesus you've had me here all along you knew me from the beginning i come to you jesus when we come with that repentant heart and we are converted he is going to make us new and then it's our job to strengthen our brothers. It's our job to help those that are down, to help those that are discouraged, that are feeling marred themselves, to lift them up, 
He knows, again, that we are going to fall. But we must not lose faith, but continue in his word. And again, we need to just continue to stay in his hands. We need to be vigilant and let the Lord continue to mold us and make us into his image. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. The devil has a plan for your life, too. God has a plan, but the devil has a plan for your life. And he wants to destroy you, and he doesn't want you to live. He wants you to die. He wants to steal what God has for you. And he will create opportunities for you to fall and for you to leave the potter's wheel. But as long as we take part in, in the things that God has for us and we know that we are safe in his hands, the devil has no say in what God has for us. Sometimes we have to just mute the voice of the enemy. And a lot of times it's just our minds playing tricks, playing games. But we've got to make sure that we listen to the report of the Lord, not what the devil has to say. When the devil opens his mouth, you, mouth, you know it's a lie. You know it's a lie. There's no reason to listen to him. John 10.10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. He doesn't come joking around. He's serious about destroying you. And his mentality is, if I can take him out now, then I won't have to worry about him later. But again, when we remain in the hands of the potter and let God do a work in our lives, he's going to make us a new vessel and a vessel of honor that he can use for his glory there is no limit on what god can do through you and what um, you can be in his hands when you let the potter make you into something that is good john 10 28 and 29 says and i give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand you know, there's just something beautiful about being in the hands of God. Even when we mis make mistakes in the hands of God, the word of God says that no one can pluck you away from his hand. No one. The only one that can remove this person right here out of the hands of God is me. Not the enemy, not anyone. I have to make that conscious decision to walk away from the Lord, to step out of his hand, to step out of the potter's wheel. No, nobody has that kind of power. You know, sometimes we give the devil way too much power. And when it's our choices, we make that decision. He's not more powerful than the Lord. Again, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Verse 29, my father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. The picture of the potter working on the clay is a beautiful one. Can you picture him now? He's sitting in his chair, working on the clay that is on the table, surrounded by his hands. He's forming it. 
lifting it up, forming it again, creating grooves in it, opening it up in the middle. And as he's working on it, it becomes marred. Uh-oh, there's a flaw. It becomes disfigured, impaired, and even imperfect in the hands of the potter. But the potter doesn't throw it away. He says, it's still clay. I'm still working on it. Why am I going to throw it away? I can make it anew. And so he does it. He starts the work all over again. Just like the song says, Lord, make me over. Make me over again. And if that's your prayer today, he will make you over again. Doesn't matter how many times you fall, how many times you mess up, he will make you new and something good to the potter. You can all stand. When Eliezer was younger, he loved to work with Legos. I mean, he still does. He may be 14, but he still loves Legos. All of my boys do. Even Lucy is getting into Legos. Um, they have so many, um, you know, creations. I guess you could call him a master builder. <laughs> um, they don't keep him around as much as they used to. But when he was much younger, he would make these elaborate um, creations. Uh, you know, it is, it's Christmas for us. We get peace when our kids are working with Legos. I don't know about yours, but thank the Lord for Legos, especially around Christmas time. They get those Lego boxes, and we can guarantee you they will be working on those Legos from the time they get them until maybe two or three days later. We hear nothing, and it's not a bad silence because, you know, when there's silence in your house and you've got little ones, it's a bad thing, but when Legos are concerned in our house, when it's involved, it's peace. And, and Lewis and I are going, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we get some rest. Um, anyway, you know, he's got, he used to have these creations, and his younger brothers would look at them and say, oh, let's play with them. And there goes their creation. All those hours, because it doesn't take minutes doesn't just even take a half hour to an hour, depending on how big that box is. It's going to take some time to build that creation. And you've put time, effort, put all that energy. You make sure, I don't know about you, when you used to play with Legos or your kids, but my kids separate each and every one of them by size, by color, you know. So they're taking a lot of time and effort to work on these I don't know, buildings, creations. Um, and he would get so upset, felt so bad for him when his brothers would mess them up. And I would say, I'm so sorry, buddy. You're going to have to make it over again. And he did. He would go back and then make it something better. I think it was uh, last year for, or this past Christmas, he had gotten this car. It was a car model, and, and he put that thing together. The, when he pressed the back, the spoiler, the, the doors went up on the sides. Well, he said, Mom, I can, I can change that. He went and changed it so that you can push on one part of the spoiler, and one would go up, one door would go up, and then the other. 
And then he took the engine that was in the car that was hidden and he put it on top so it was visible. I mean, he tripped that thing up. And then he went and added some lasers or something and he made it shoot out of the car. I could never think about stuff like that. Maybe with flowers, you know, crochet, clothes, but not Legos. Uh, but it's so amazing that even when something messes up, he can take it and make something even better out of it. And God is the same with us. You know, we think, I'm too messed up. I can't do what he, what he called me to do because I messed it up. No, you're not that powerful to mess your life so bad that it's not workable, that it's not what God wants to use it for. Yes, he can make you over. He can make you even better than what you were before. Hallelujah, Jesus. I don't know about you, but I don't just want to be broken and out of the hands of God. I want to be in the hands of God. I want God to make me over today. I want